Ladies and gentlemen, got something to tell you. It's a great place here in Chico where you can grab a sweet, sweet, delicious cold beer and an awesome bit of food. That's the Handlebar. They're located at 2070 East 20th Street, and they have a happy hour. Johnny, tell me about it. Seven days a week, 2 to 6 p.m., you're going to get a dollar off any one of their craft beers, half-off bottles of wine, still delicious food. It's a good time. They have a newly remodeled patio. It's a new year. It's a new you. Go check them out. Handlebar Chico, 2070 East 20th Street. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Greetings. You are tuned in to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and movie podcast and radio show based in Chico, California, and my voice belongs to Max Minardi. <laughs> Hello, fellow humans. I'm Johnny Summers. This week on the show, we get into the latest Christian Bale film, The Pale Blue Eye. It's the story of the detective Augustus Landor in the 1830s investigating a mysterious and grisly murder at West Point Military Academy. Later in the show, we're going to make up for lost time after being off the air last week with our thoughts on an action film that puts the muscle of King Leonidas and Luke Cage on screen together with our thoughts on Plane. But before we get to any of that, Johnny, what are we drinking this week? We are drinking beers from Eight Wired out of Matakana, New Zealand. First one is called Opium Cake. It is not drugs. Don't worry, Max. Sure. It's an imperial stout with poppy seeds, lactose, oranges, vanilla, and raisins that clocks in at 11.5%. But if that's not strong enough for you, stick around for the end of the show when we do I Stout 11th Anniversary Edition. It is a double imperial stout that clocks in at 15%. I don't like that you implied I'm the only one that would have issue if there were opium in this beer. Like, don't worry, Max. <laughs> well, you're the only one that has to drink it right now. <laughs> That's true. Uh, if you're listening on KZFR 90.1 FM, we hope you're having a terrific Thursday evening. As a quick heads up, you're only going to be hearing the first 30 minutes of our show, which includes our first beer review and the spoiler-free portion of our discussion of The Pale Blue Eye. That said, if you are so inclined to listen to the show in its entirety, which includes a whole lot more film and beer talk, Johnny will tell you what to do. You just go to click on the little searchity search bar. Searchity search bar? And then you search for us at Fresh Hop Cinema. Uh, that's the podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, you know the drills, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. We release new episodes every Friday morning at 7 a.m. Sometimes we release an old episode on Fridays at 7 a.m. It's fine. Either way, there's something to hear. <clears throat> We've been doing that since 2016. If you like the show, go leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and let us know you did. Just brag about it to us, to your friends. Just be the cool person that you are. Yeah, you did that. Uh, to hang out with us on social media, search Fresh Hop Cinema on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, or Untapped, or just head over to the old website, freshhopcinema.com. Or head to our second favorite website, patreon.com slash freshhopcinema, which is where you can go and you can take all that hard-earned cash you've gotten grinding away at your 9 to 5 or whatever it is you do with your time to make money, and you can give some of that money to us. If you really like our show, it's a great way to help us keep doing our show. Sometimes it costs money to buy beers and go see movies and put on super slick events. Max, every time it costs money or else almost you're just every, stealing. No, almost every time because every now and again we'll get a donation, which That's is true. Um, but speaking of events, we put them on for usually people exclusively in Patreon. So we'll have bar hangs. We'll have movie nights. We'll have all sorts of fun stuff. Um, we have Johnny. Actually, I'll give credit where credit is due. Johnny had a really cool idea for an event, hopefully in the near future. Um, I don't want to say too much right now because it feels like a fun thing to, to kind of spring on people once we line up the details. But the point is Patreon is a great way to support our show and you get some stuff in return. So really, you're supporting your own interests. And that's patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema. 
that is all of our housekeeping out of the way. Johnny, you've picked out beers for the week per usual. Tell me about beer number one, if you would. Beer number one, Opium Cake from 8Wired out of New Zealand. Uh, there's not a ton about this on the internet other than what it is. So it is an imperial stout. It's 11.5% ABV. It has poppy seeds, lactose, oranges, vanilla, and raisins. And that's that's all the info that the internet has provided us. So that's, that's what we're going with. Tell me about the can, would you? Yeah. So the can, 12-ounce can, okay. first of all. Both beers this week are, which is nice. I would call that... Like a light tan wood grain with some maybe coffee colored swirls and like a a latte colored background with mm. eight wired in it. Really nice looking. It, it almost looks like the decor like on top of a cake. Maybe some frosting swirls. Matte black can top. Everything else besides the label looks pretty metal. I excellent, like it. excellent description. Thank you. Uh, where did you get this beer today? SNS Produce. Both beers this week come from SNS. Great. Look for our beer of the week sticker. Nice. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I'm. I'm excited to try this, man. I'm uh, I'm a little bit daunted by this. That feels like a weird way to use that. I'm daunted. I'm daunted? I'm feeling daunted. Well, whatever. It's intimidating me is what I'm trying to say. It's this, a huge beer, and it's not like it's going to get easier as the show goes on when we do that 15% stout later. Or it'll get even easier. Yeah, right, depending on uh, how you define the term. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking for... I'm looking for some richness in some of those flavors. I'm worried it might skew too sweet with some of like the raisiny notes. That doesn't always work for me. And I also want to make sure it's not thin. This is sometimes I can be uh, a little bit forgiving of a stout if the body isn't there, but with something that is presenting the way this has so far in description and just the way it looks in my glass, I'm going to need some very serious body to back up. I, what I'm presuming is going to be some pretty intense flavor. It smells robust. It does. Yes. Lot. It doesn't look quite as dark as I was expecting. We, maybe it's been a while since we've done really heavy stouts where we haven't used the phrase motor oil. Mm -hmm. in the past little bit. Right. And this doesn't quite meet that qualifier either, but that was what I was expecting to see. Now you've tried it for the first time. What are your initial thoughts? Immediately it hits me as Tootsie Roll. I get tons of like chewy, gooey, delicious, like Tootsie Roll. Hmm. It's very boozy. Uh-huh. A lot of barrel. Yep. Um, I'm not really detecting a ton of like oranges. No. Um, Dang it. Vanilla, maybe a little bit. I just I, Sometimes vanilla gets muddled into just overarching sweetness. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, raisins, I could see. I smelled raisins as soon as yes. yeah, they're very, very present on the raisins. Um, when's the last time you ate a fistful of poppy seeds? You know, uh, well, it's been a while. I don't think I've ever done that. Uh, by the way, the tie-in to the poppy seeds being here with this beer being called opium cake is you can, you can I think, I don't know if you can get high just from eating them. But, um, but heroin is made from poppy seeds. I think opium. And opium. Yeah. Right. I think that's the whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, Opiates. No, sure. I've never uh, eaten. I've, I eat a poppy seed muffin. I'll do that sometimes. That's a poppy seed I get. I'm feeling a little loopy after that, but it might be the sugar. It's the sugar and the carbs. So no, I've, have you eaten a handful of poppy seeds? No. Okay. <laughs> no. But <laughs> I've seen like the jars of poppy seeds for like toppings. Like you can get sesame sure. seeds and stuff. Sure. So it's, it's doable. There must be more to making opium than just eating or like boiling poppy seeds right there has to be i'm pretty sure i hope so maybe let's cover that on patreon we can just do a breakdown of sure. how to make opium but then we ha we also have like an assigning your rights away on patreon so we'll say for our main feed here don't do that Obviously. don't go try doing that we don't recommend it it's unsafe yeah okay um dude there's something that happens sometimes in stouts and i don't know if it's the fact that this has lactose in fact i would say it's probably not that the lactose might be hiding this or might be dampening it slightly but there's this bitterness that comes along with 
a certain type of chocolate. It's like a bitter acidity. And it's sometimes the reason I don't like baking chocolates, like really dark, rich chocolate. And some of that's here. And for, for my palate, it's not doing good things. I, um, I'll say I don't even like this after one drink. Um, the, the level of bitterness is approaching being acrid. It's very, very burnt tasting. It's not, it's like past the point of good chocolate. It's, it really, you know what? We were just talking about this in the mm. kitchen. It reminds me of chocolate covered espresso beans. Totally. It totally does, man. Um, which I, I enjoy. Sure. If that's what you're eating. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a metallic quality to this too, that almost kind of an irony blood sort of mm-hmm. thing that I really have a hard time with too. It's very grating. It's, 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 yeah, it's working in tandem with the bitterness to be this very aggressive sort of yeah grating flavor profile yeah i have a gripe is and it is that when you use lactose usually it adds body and Mm -hmm. mouthfeel Mm -hmm. and creaminess and i feel like you could have just left the lactose out and been very equivalent with this beer it it really is not adding it to me adding much for me at all. correct you're gonna have to take a look at this too because the they have a best before date which i always think is kind of never a good sign rather than like a canning date. Mm. But the year is right on the ridge, and maybe you can make it out. And while you check that out, I'm going to point out that this is also a collaboration with another brewery called uh, Pinta out of Poland. And the reason I was checking the date, aside from the usual of just wanting to know, um, is that this beer's traveled quite a bit to get here, uh, all the way in California. Um, Traditionally, I probably wouldn't chalk up the uh, weird flavors I'm getting to age Mm -hmm. on a stout. Yeah. But... When you factor in that much travel distance, you have to start questioning, um, you know, the conditions with which it was shipped. Yeah. Um, it's a long way to go, man. Um, so I'd, I don't know. I'd be curious to try it a little bit, not fresher, but, you know, from the source maybe, or if there was a guaranteed way to know that it was, it got here under the right circumstances. Yeah. It wasn't like stored like near the equator in yeah. a shipping container. Safe to say you could not make out that year either. No. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a, did it, say, did it say February of a year? It says 526. Oh, May. So so maybe it's brand spanking new, or maybe it's, ex, you know, quote unquote expired by like you know, seven or eight months. Or maybe we can cross-reference it with the beer that we have later in the show. Does that one have a date? It's right on the edge. Right on the edge. All right. Well, then I guess we're just, we're just going in blind. Yeah, we're not dating this beer, that's for sure. We're drinking it. Um, First impressions don't No, I don't, don't love like it. it. I don't, yeah. Uh, you know, it the opium cake, it sounded like it was going to be very desserty, very sweet. Very, yes. Uh, you know, when you hear lactose, oranges, vanilla, those are three flavors, well, two flavors. Oranges and vanilla mm-hmm. are flavors that are, you know, synonymous with desserts with a certain flavor. When I say orange and vanilla, I think of like creamsicle. I do too. And this is about as far from that as you can get. Do you recall the confectionery treat often sold definitely at Trader Joe's back in the day. It's, it's chocolate oranges. Oh, yeah. They're wrapped in tinfoil, and you, like, smash them on the top, and then they splinter away into their little wedges. Those are so good. Those are so good. And I think that's the other flavor combo that is called to mind. Like, that's the only reference I have for chocolate and orange. Yeah. Like, or at least that's the main one. Um, and it's not doing that either. Mm-mm. There's not enough of that orange to, like, of that citrus brightness to kind of get away from the bitterness of the chocolate. Yeah. And there's not enough vanilla to sweeten it out either. It's, uh, yeah, I, you know... I'm gonna have another sip here, but pretty disappointing for me. Yeah, this, certainly under under average. I think this beer is super missable. I think you can skip it. <clears throat> I wouldn't rush rush out to grab this. There's a lot of good stouts in the market these days, and this one's leaving a lot to be desired. 
when you like the advertising expectations, man, yeah. there's no orange. There's really not much vanilla. I would have guessed that this was like a barrel aged stout with no adjuncts. Yeah, me too. You know, as I'm saying that, there is a tinge of orange on the back end. It's just kind of sneaking up on me. And I had a little bit left in my glass, so it could be a temperature thing as well. Because it's a little bit cold. Uh, you know, we set it out maybe yeah. maybe ten, 10 minutes before we started. Yeah. So it's probably still a little cold. And I'm sure some of those flavors, namely the vanilla, would come out as it warmed a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I might even have one more sip and I might revisit this if, if it changes my opinion drastically while we're talking about the pale blue eye here in a little bit. Mm -hmm. But for now, I'm not super impressed. And I think we should give it an out of 10. For me, it's like a four or one. Yeah, for me, it's a four. Um, yeah, super underwhelming. Uh, I, you know, if you're a real, real enthusiast of this kind of style, try it. And by this style, I mean like big barrel aged stouts, though I would hazard a guess that if this is your go-to style, you will have had a larger, um, sample, sample size. Yeah. yeah. And this will be even more disappointing to you. So maybe if you've never had a stout before and you're like, Oh, I want to get into it. Try here and don't, then, don't and then start work with your no, way up. Nope. Don't start with this one. I guess miss the beer is what I'm saying. I was trying to put a positive spin, but I think I think that's kind of where I'm at. If this was the first stout I ever had, I'd be a lager guy. Sure. Okay, you got anything else on opium cake from 8Wired? Uh, a for effort, F plus overall. Fair enough. Once again, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. If you think we got this beer wrong, you think we got it right, or if you have a beer or brewery you think we should review on the show, message us on Instagram at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema, or send an email to fhccast at gmail.com because... We are always open to suggestions. And if you get a chance, dear listener, to try opium cake, let us know what you think. And also, if you like the show, take 30 seconds, go leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It will make Max smile. Yeah, it really does only take a couple seconds, and it's one of the most efficient ways to help us get our little show in front of new potential listeners. Incoming is a trailer for The Pale Blue Eye. If you haven't seen it yet, do not worry. There are no spoilers in our next segment, so stick around. Is it true? He once elicited a confession with nothing more than a piercing look. With enough patience, a suspect will often interrogate himself. Detective Landor, one of our cadets, hanged himself last night. That's a matter for the coroner. I'm afraid that's not the end of it. His heart was carved from his chest. What type of fella could do this? You'd have to be a bad man. Needed to decipher this. Rumor has it there are instructions for immortality. Someone there? Discreetly infiltrate the cadets. What is this? Blood, symbols, rituals. Oh my lord. Man will do most anything to cheat death. Where are the facts? Where are the simple facts? The truth! I believe the dead haunt us because we love them too little. No close to finding who's responsible for this than we were a month ago. We are closer. It's only a matter of time. 
Well, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the worlds of craft beer and film. If you're listening on the radio waves of KZFR 90.1 FM, you're only going to be hearing the first half of our show on the radio today. But if you'd like to hear the whole thing, you can subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It will be available to stream tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. So at the end of this, if you just can't get enough, go listen. A seasoned detective investigates a murder at the U.S. Military Academy in West Point in 1830. He's assisted in his investigation by an intelligent and eager young cadet named Edgar Allan Poe, pre, uh, pre-fame, obviously, who will go on to become, as if you don't know, uh, one of America's most influential authors and the originator of the detective genre, which I didn't, I don't know, is that true? I guess it might be true. The internet told me. Uh, certainly one of the more preeminent early voices. Yeah. Uh, this film was written and directed by Scott Cooper, who is a longtime Christian Bale collaborator. He uh, last year did, or I'm sorry, two years ago now, yeah. uh, did Antlers, which we talked about last week on the show because the cinematographer from last week's film uh, worked on Antlers. And this is the director from that movie. He also did Hostels in 2017, as well as some other films with Christian Bale over the years. Um, it's based on a 2003 novel by Lewis Bayard. Bayard. Bayard, thank you. <laughs> Called The Pale Blue Eye. Um, and like I said, yeah, it's Christian Bale plays uh, Augustus Landor, the detective. And then Edgar Allan Poe is played by Harry Melling, who I'm just falling more and more in love with in every role. I think he does a really good job of like being a creepy guy. He has a creepy presence. And I don't know if it's Dudley from Harry Potter or like everything else he's been in. Like he was in The Old Guard. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that he was like the CEO that was trying to like take their DNA? Oh, yeah. He's yeah. really good at being like this ominous presence, but also not threatening physically. Mm-hmm. It's a tough balance to strike. Um, let's see. This came to a limited run in theaters December 23rd of last year and then hit Netflix on January 6th. It's uh, two hours, eight minutes long. Um, I also say this was recommended to us uh, by our friend of the show and uh, Patreon supporter. Jared Schmidt, he reached out to me a couple weeks ago. I don't know if I told you this. He's like, you guys got to check out The Pale Blue Eye. And he had thoughts, but I will share his thoughts maybe after we share ours. What did you think of this? So Christian Bale is is a beast. He he does a lot of work in this movie. I think he does him and then second to Harry Melling, obviously. But uh, he does a lot of heavy lifting with the acting. He was great in this. Christian Bale's a great actor. Sure. I really enjoyed him. Uh, I had... People, I think at work, we talked about this, and they said, oh, it's slow. It's slow. Is it? And that's was that was exactly my thought. I'm like, <laughs> you guys need They to... don't see a lot of movies. Like yeah, that. that's like... what I'm saying. Like, that was, to me, the pacing was not slow. No. I thought this was a very deliberate and patient movie. I think it let scenes breathe. I thought this whole film had a beautiful color palette. I love the cool color palette. Yeah. And I loved the... Uh, the tension, the drama, the the high stakes, they, they let scenes breathe. There was a distinct lack of score, which really added to the element of- That's funny you say that. Creating anxiety. I was literally about to jump in and say, and yeah, part of the mood is like the score. It was by Howard Shore, who yeah. did uh, Lord of the Rings, but I thought the score was like a- Throughout, not all yeah, the time, but no. like- But in the moments when they were trying to build suspense, I mean, there wasn't a lot of those, well, there's a jump scare coming That's because true. of the score, so- I think in a film like this, uh, the score can either add or detract. And I think to me, it added in that they knew how to use it as like negative space. Like sure. the absence of music can be just as disturbing as a score leading to oh, a jump scare. totally, man. Uh, so I really enjoyed it. I liked the dynamic of of Poe's Poe. I'm just going to say Poe and, and Landor because it's easier right. to remember. 
Um, I loved their dynamic together because mm-hmm. they seem kind of this mismatched pair of highly intelligent individuals. Kind of the mental chess that they played throughout this movie was was really well acted and well written. Mm. Uh, I was pretty entertained by it. And all of the detective-y mystery stuff really worked for me. Um, I didn't think it was very slow. I thought it was yeah. as slow as it should be. I thought it it was a nice simmering. It, I wouldn't even call it a slow burn, personally. No, no. Not at all. I, yeah. I've, Who are you? You don't have to put them on blast, but I think you're, yeah, your coworkers. I, I think probably a lack of just seeing, you know, a lot of movies. Like, yeah. You know. I honestly don't remember. Well played. No, I really don't. It might have been Andy <laughs> from SNS. I don't know. Oh, really? I think I talked to him. It could have, it doesn't matter. I'll find out and, and I'll, our, I'll beer of the week sticker. Right? <laughs> Gone. Uh, but no, I enjoyed it. I thought it was very entertaining. The supporting cast were, were definitely more tertiary. Yeah. Uh, but I, they were good enough for what they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, overall, really liked it. I wouldn't say I loved it, but I think I did really like it. And, okay. And, uh, I recommend it. I'd give it a for me. The whole time, it felt like a seven five. Yeah, okay, all day. Um, it's I it's solid. Next, it's Netflix a mood movie. piece for sure, dude. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've actually been lucky enough to have some sunshine here in Chico the past few days. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just spent a week indoors in a casino, and it was raining before I left. And I'm not sure that I was in the. You really have to embrace the ambiance of this movie. Yes, because it's it's a crushing presence the whole time. Did it remind you of The Revenant? Yeah, I thought Revenant, I thought a movie called The Nightingale um, from director Jessica Kent a while back, um, which I think was shot in New Zealand. Nice tie into our beer. Um, there's a few. There's actually one more that jumped out to me, and I might think of it in a minute here. Um, but you had, like, there's no respite from that. The whole movie is this really bleak, which which makes sense. Like, it kind of seems like it was adapted from an Edgar Allan Poe movie. Like, you associate those you themes mean, and, like, Yes, what I meant. Uh, I mean, poem is what I really uh, mean. Um, but it's not. And the fact that he is a character in this fictional story, like this isn't real. So he just chose the author, the original author, um, chose to put Edgar Allan Poe as like this was his jumping off point. Like this is what inspired him to become the writer that we all know and some love. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm with you. Like Christian Bale, very good. Harry Melling, I'm into. Um it's it goes a couple directions that we can't talk about right now because of spoiler stuff. I think it's 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 above average, not great. I think Christian Bale is similar in this. He's he's above average. He always is. Uh, not great. Um it's it's good. But you really got to want to sit in this very specific kind of I'm going to say murder mystery. Mm-hmm. I'm going to even can I say and you we can edit this if you feel like it, but can I say supernatural murder mystery? And by saying like there's elements of that discussed quite a bit, like it's partial ghost story, which I think is par for the course. Yeah, yeah, and and it's funny because I don't think it actually ended up being very supernatural at all. Right. So it's just this the mystique. Or I think that's fine to say, it. like the yeah. the occult. It depends what aspect. you mean. Yeah, because yeah. like so so there's like there's there's a lot of talk of of sort of guilt and grief and trauma and. Um, one of the characters communes with the dead kind of mm-hmm. like it's, it's Edgar Allan Poe. He's like, I talked to my dead mother and she came, comes to me with these poems. Um, so there's a lot of this sort of ethereal spiritual space. The movie starts with a quote, um, probably, probably from Edgar Allan Poe, but I don't really remember. It was like something along the lines of the, the worlds of the living and the dead. No one can quite tell where they, where they begin and end. You, it's kind of this, this nebulous area. And the whole movie kind of feels like, you know, like it's at West point. I get that. I haven't spent a lot of time even in film at West Point. I don't really know what it looks like, certainly not in the 1830s. But it doesn't feel like a like an earthly space. It feels like this weird kind of 
like purgatorial zone. Yeah, that, there's always like that thin layer of there's fog, fog yeah. everywhere. The color palette's wonderful though. Like like the those uniforms of the, the West Point cadets are just this bright wintry blue. There's flashes of red here and there. I th- I think it sets a mood really well. I think it's okay written, okay performed. I think where it fell short the most was the writing. Yeah, and when you mean writing, do you mean the writing of the screenplay itself or the dialogue? I think the dialogue for me. A little bit of the I mean, I don't really the the difference, like the script. Like, yeah, I mean like like the 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 written direction of the story cuz cuz it goes a few different directions like I was saying, but then also there's yeah. there's the dialogue the characters are asked to speak. Way more how it's presented than what they're presenting. No, nope. clarify please. Like the the dialogue and how they're speaking to each sure. other versus the the plot beats. I did have a hard time placing Christian Bale's accent. Yeah. I don't know why. Like, yeah. I think it was consistent most of the way through, but I was, was also unclear on consistently vague. Is he American? Like, is that? Yeah. And then I didn't realize that Eddie Ground Poe was from the Deep South. Yeah. It was Kentucky or I like de- something like I that. Declare. Yeah. Like, um, maybe we'll touch on some auxiliary cast members here. Like, there's... you got to finish up your thoughts. Oh, you're right. Rating. Good point. Um, that's what I was getting to. Like, a fun enough watch. It's a mood piece for sure. I think it has some decent things to say about grief and it's, it's executed above average. Not great from, yeah, it's a, you know, um, yeah, it's a six. No, it, yeah. Yeah. It's a six for me. Yeah. I think it was a perfectly adequate Netflix movie. It totally was like, yep. This feels like Netflix. Like it's beautiful. Like watched it in the 4k UHD. Or it whatever. was more beautiful than I think it had any right to be just, totally. just being that movie. That's a great way to put that. Absolutely. So that surprised me. And that was, it was nice to watch for all the like kind of grisly stuff that ends up happening. It was still like, okay, this is kind of nice. It's, it's still gorgeous. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I love the, the stark contrast of any sort of color mm-hmm. on like snow or just that dark landscape. It was, yeah. Yeah. Really liked the way this movie looked. So auxiliary cast stuff there. I feel so bad for, um, I think his name is Toby Jones. I'm just going to double check. Uh, yeah. Toby Jones, um, always ends up being this sort of sympathetic, pitiable character on screen. And if you don't know Toby Jones by name, you will certainly know his work. He was in a bunch of the Harry Potter movies. Um, let's see, what is he maybe more recently? I'm just skimming real quick. Um, oh man. Oh, (laughs) not that anybody, well, also a mood piece. He was in First Cow. He was <laughs> the chief factor that ha- had the cow brought in. Um, always like he's always like the butt of a joke or last to know something. Mm-hmm. And that's that remains true in this movie. And you're just like, come on, man. Like that's, um, but I think he does a good job. Um, there's a lot of like there's a lot of little character moments that happen like with these people. Robert Duvall pops up. Out I of didn't nowhere. even realize that. Yeah. Until, until, you know, making the notes for today. Well, that's the first time he's been in anything in quite a while. Could you check how long? Cause I would like to know the last thing he was in. Um, but yeah, like the, the there's this whole family headed by Toby Jones. who's who's by the way, like the, the doctor, mm-hmm. the, the West point doctor yeah. who not great as a doctor. He's like not good at his job or whatever. Cause the, 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 you know, the, the trailer, I think for the movie, I don't know what we're going to put in front of our discussion here, but it sort of frames, at least early on in the movie, it frames this as a as a death by suicide. The first, the reason he comes to West Point, and then we find out it's a murder. And upon a second examination of the dead body, like there's so many things that he missed. The doctor, he, or he's, I guess he's a mortician. Is he a doctor or a mortician? He's, a he's doctor. like everything. Just like missed some obvious stuff. Like there was a note in the dead guy's hand, like a, a smack on the back of his head from like a mm-hmm. lead pipe. Yeah. 
not good at his job and his whole family's weird. They're a bunch of weirdos. Uh, and he's just blissfully unaware. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think he plays that character really well. So I liked him a lot. In this. Kind of the, the hapless, uh, kind of just ne'er-do-well. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. The last thing Robert Duvall was yep. in was the 2022 Netflix film Hustle starring uh, Adam Sandler. Yep. I didn't see that. I didn't either. Is that what you play? Is he a basketball player in that? Basketball scout. Oh, that's right. Yo, I actually heard he's pretty good in that. I heard it was good too. Adam Sandler's very passionate about basketball. He is. Um, also a pretty good basketball player. That makes, weirdly makes sense. You wouldn't think that just by looking at him probably. But yeah. I know that he's like plays basketball. Yeah. I've seen like videos of him playing pickup basketball. Yeah. Surprisingly good. Um, in our last minute or two here for our radio listeners, how did there, this is a movie that is predicated upon a lot of twists and a lot mm -hmm. of surprises. Did the general way the movie played out for you work? Yes. Okay. It did. I think it did overall. There, there's a point where the movie feels like it's over. Mm -hmm. It's like, it, the, aha, we've, we've solved the thing. And then it's not over. The double aha. Sure. Um, and it felt like it came out of nowhere, though I'm glad it tied up some of the stuff that we have been uh, hinting at throughout the rest of the movie. I'm glad they didn't just leave that hanging. Yeah. But at the same time, it felt like there wasn't enough groundwork laid for that really to come to fruition. It's all sort of explained in a... In a, in a in a knives out kind of way mm -hmm. uh, or any sort of murder mystery, which I guess is is apropos for this, but still it felt a little cheap to me. Yeah, we got to come up with a word for that because it's not mustache twirly. It's like uh, it's like it's but like, it's like that. It's like that, but it's if not the villain is doing, it, but the writer. Yeah, it's like pen and ink quill yeah. twirling, it's like magnifying they're sitting, glass smoking their twirling. cigars. They're writing like aha, and then I'll do this, and then they won't even see it coming. Yeah, it, I am Agatha Christie. Kind of in the she's better than in that. the conclusion. You know, when there is that exposition mm. happening, I'm not saying between who char two characters because yeah, yeah. it's spoilery. Benoit Blank in my head, of course. I'm like just seeing, well, <laughs> seeing Daniel Craig. Yeah, this doesn't. We should have talked about this last week, but I think Daniel Craig turned that character up to eleven for for uh, Glass Onion. Mm -hmm. But, and I didn't like a lot of that. Like he just really, but it's fine. One thing he says in Glass Onion, he goes, it's, I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. He goes, oh, it's just so dumb. And then earlier in the movie, he's like, I'm so, I'm no good at dumb things. And there was a point where I was like, this is so dumb. And I was hearing it also in, in the Benoit Blanc voice. Mm -hmm. But it's not, it isn't as dumb as some of that, but still. Um, I'm good on this for now. Yeah. I've got some. Well, when we talk spoilers in a couple of minutes here for our podcast listeners, um, I got more thoughts. But do you have anything else at this moment? Nope. Okay. Then once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on KZFR ninety point one FM. The Pale Blue Eye is available to stream on Netflix. If you've seen it and you have thoughts of your own, you can reach us again on Instagram at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema, or send an email to fhccast at gmail .com. As a reminder, if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation, which includes spoilers for The Pale Blue Eye, a recap of the Academy Award nominations, a review of a second beer, our thoughts on Gerard Butler's latest action film, Plane, and Hot and Bothered, head over to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema. That's right. There's a lot more good stuff waiting for you. The rest of the episode will be available 7 a.m. tomorrow on all major podcast platforms. To our radio listeners, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next and every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. on KZFR 90.1 FM, people-powered radio. And until then, watch some films and drink something that makes your senses sizzle. And to those of you currently listening in podcast form, we'll be right back with The Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Welcome to The Danger Zone. In the danger zone, 
we talk about our movie of the week and we assume that you have either A, seen it or B, have not seen it, don't plan to, and don't care about spoilers because we're about to spoil The Pale Blue Eye. So you've been warned. I don't have a ton I need to talk about here. Mostly, uh, I kind of want to set up how the movie ends for people that haven't seen it and are still interested in the conversation and want to know why I wasn't on board. So basically, there's a whole bunch of like witchcraft talk and like talking to the dead. It's a very, it's a very Johnny vibe in those, in those like, Mm -hmm. we get a, a dungeon sequence and like people are knocked out with drugs and bled from their wrists sort of thing. Um, and we find out it's, it's the doctor's family, basically his daughter who, um, Poe has fallen in love with, uh, has seizures of some kind that we in 1830 don't have a cure for. So instead of, I don't know what you would do instead. So they do what anybody would have done in 1830 and they try to commune with the devil, do some seances, steal some people's hearts, make circles and triangles with blood. They're about to kill Poe. And our boy comes down and is like, stop this nonsense, saves him. The daughter and her brother die. The mom gets out of there. They like save her too. And then we're like, all right, the case is closed. Then it it isn't because Edgar Allan Poe wakes up from a dream in a very unnecessary one shot of him sitting up at a bed going, (gasps) after going, it came to me in my sleep. And then we cut to that shot. It was one of the least economic, stupidest things. Yeah. Um, and then he's like, aha, like I've compared the handwriting from the note from the first dead boy to your handwriting. You made the fatal error of, of leaving this note with me, you fool. Here's, here's what you did. And here's why you did it. You did it to avenge your daughter who was raped. And then I know she killed herself. She didn't run away with some guy. And I know what you've done. Spells it out. Basically is like, all right, I'm not going to turn you in. Bye. And that's the movie essentially. Twirling the quill. Although it is at the very end, like you do get, um, What's his name? Augustus Langford, Langdon, Langson. Langer. That doesn't sound right either. He's like going back to the place where his daughter committed suicide and like- Landor. Landor, thank you. Uh, lets her ribbon go into the air and kind of is finally at peace and says like, be, be at rest, my love, or whatever. That's nice. I'm glad he found closure. Uh, but that it was so spelled out that I was like, I was I was also curious. Like Poe was like, I have some questions. I have to like, how did you know it was? Like, like those are the questions I have as the audience. Mm-hmm. I just wish they wouldn't have framed it as like, I have questions. And he's like, here's some answers. Makes me feel dumber as a as a movie watcher. Yeah, it was a little spoon fed. Totally. I would have loved to have at least one scene. You just cut the scene of him waking up in bed. Yeah. Take me through the process of him figuring this out and sure. like scouring the, the sure. handwriting. Like that's the montage I want. Yeah. There's a scene where um when was this? Uh it's it's <laughs> I can't I need to I just need to keep his name in front of me. Uh, Landor. Yeah. Calrissian. Sure. No, is staring at the autopsy table and he's, there's like a bowl of ice and it's a close up of the bowl of ice. Then it's him from far away. And we're like looking over his shoulder as he's looking at the ice. Anybody that's paying attention will remember the, the aloof doctor said they would have taken the heart. Probably would have been surrounded by ice. We know that, but instead they choose to give us that line again with like an echo around it. Like we're remembering this thing. It's that kind of stuff that happens. It makes this movie feel dumber. It gets a or, little... or makes it feel like the movie's calling us dumber. Yeah. Either way I'm mad. Yeah. It insults you as the audience member and kind of, yeah, it's just, yeah, it makes the movie seem a little more cheesy. What would have made this movie better is to your point about this montage at the end where Poe puts it all together is if we had had these clues throughout where you see him looking suspicious, like, like it comes to that note, right? He finds the note and he compares the handwriting if he picks up the note and instead of the next time we see him being in that cellar, 
He gets the note. We cut to a mid shower. He's reading it. And there's like a look on his face. Mm-hmm. And we don't know at the time what he's thinking. But then if on a rewatch or something, you'd be like, oh, he was realizing it. Yeah. And he was putting together the pieces the whole time. Just a candle lit Harry Melling. Totally. Yeah. That would be great. Um, but instead, yeah, it gets yeah spoon fed and sort of all at the end is this big sort of payoff, and it just doesn't feel like much of a payoff. Yeah, it feels like a like a plot twist for sure, but it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, well, that's a bummer. Exactly. There's a lot of ways this movie could have been better in executing what they were trying to do. Yes, the gore was fun. Some of that was nice, like you know, seeing a you know a body strung up in the snow. It was uh, creepy and effective. Yeah. I thought that was a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, reminded me of that scene in The Northman. That mm. you were underwhelmed by, but yeah. I thought was effective. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty much all I have here. Uh, yeah. There's not a whole lot more. I think yeah, it's it's two hours and eight minutes, which is a not short, but it doesn't feel like a slow burn or anything. I think it's paced really well, uh, and I was engaged the whole time. Yeah, me too. Okay. Do you have anything else on this? Uh, no. Okay. Would you prefer to talk about Academy Award nominations or get another beer going? Let's do Academy Awards. Okay. Here's a fun sound. Okay, let's talk Academy Award nominations. They were announced on January 24th, which is a day prior to us recording this uh, and up to three days after uh, you might be hearing it or, you know, you're hearing this on a Friday. So it was a few days ago. We are not going to go through all the categories now because what we're going to do per our tradition is in a couple weeks, probably the week before the Oscars, we are going to make predictions. Mm-hmm. It'll be a whole lot of fun. There will be four locos on the line. Oh yeah. We might even put a link on our website for people to fill out their own ballots, give out prizes, that sort of thing. Um, and what this little interim does, if you don't know, the Oscars this year are on Sunday, March 12th. So we've got about three weeks. We use this time to individually go through and fill in holes and categories that we want to. So like we both always see all the best pictures. We're a couple away from that this year. Um, And there's a few more that we'll go through and make sure we are up to date. Typically, when we make our predictions, in the past we've done, uh, we've had a need to see at least four out of five of the films to to justify having an opinion. Mm -hmm. I think that's fair. So let's just run through some of the big categories here. Johnny, would you read me the first five films nominated for Best Picture? All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inishern, Elvis, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Yes. Uh, you also have The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> I love that. Triangle of Sadness and Women Talking. Um, of those 10 films, there are three that we haven't covered on the show, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen The Banshees of Inisherin. You haven't yet. We also haven't seen The Fablemans or uh, Triangle of Sadness or Women Talking. My mistake, four. Yep. Uh, I haven't seen three. So what we'll probably do is like link to those episodes when we do it. We'll do a whole bonus thing on Patreon, I bet, also somehow. Um, but those are what's go- that's what's going on for Best Picture this year. You laughed out loud at Top Gun Maverick. Tell me more. It just seems so silly. It's like it's a good movie. It dude. is, but for that to win Best Picture would be, I don't know. Wow. I I mean I don't think it's the best movie of the year, but I also kind of get why it's in the running. I get why it's in the running, but it scares me that it might win. I don't know. I mean, okay. See, so the Best Picture should be like a fantastic piece of art. Totally. But well, was Top Gun a fantastic piece of art? How do you define art? Yeah, it moved me. I asked you. I it moved me. Yeah, it's a fantastic piece of art. Okay. Now, what wasn't, as you know, was Avatar, Way of Water. I think Elvis doesn't belong there at all. Um, other than that, I'm pretty okay with the stuff that I've seen. I think All Quiet on the Western Front's incredible. Yeah. Uh, Banshees is really good, but a very specific thing. Every everything, everywhere, all at once. Great movie. Yeah. Should absolutely be in there. Um, Tar's fantastic as well for its own reasons. 
I, I don't know. I'm not, Top Gun is not my most egregious thing there. Really? No, dude. For me, it is. Yeah. More so than Elvis. It's close. It's, Elvis, if you ask me, is a much worse movie. Yeah. But okay. How about Best Director? Uh, yeah. Walk me through them. Uh, Banshees of Inishern by Martin McDonough. Mm -hmm. Everything Everywhere All at Once uh, by the Daniels. The Daniels. Yeah. That's right. Uh, the Fablemans, Spielberg, Tar, Todd Field, and Triangle of Sadness by Ruben Ostland. 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 Is that an umlaut? I can't. It's a princess one. I think it is. I think it yeah. is. Um, I'm fine with most of these too. Yeah. I'm I'm really wanting to see Triangle of Sadness. It's one of my my most shameful blind spots this year. I've been really excited. I missed it at the pageant, but we're going to see it. Yep. Um, okay. Take, take me to Best Actor. Okay, we got Austin Butler for Elvis, which I think, fine, he did a really good job, despite that movie being a train wreck. Um, Colin Farrell for The Banshees of Sharon, Brendan Fraser, The Whale, Paul Mescal for After Sun, and Bill Nighy for Living, which we have not that seen. That is a blind spot for me, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, that that's we're not doing, I guess we're not doing predictions nope, or we're anything. Just that's, who's, that's who's in the running. Yep. Johnny, best actress. Kate Blanchett for Tar, Anna de Armas for Blonde. Uh, did you watch Blonde? Um, I started to, I turned it off. Okay. That's pretty much what I've heard. Yeah. Uh, what's, uh, Andrea Riceboro? Andrea Riceboro. Uh, to Leslie, Michelle Williams for the Fablemans and Michelle Yeoh for everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah. Um, you got best cinematography. You got all, all quiet on the Western front. That's uh James friend, uh, Bardo false chronicle of a handful of truths. That would be Darius Kanji. Never even heard of that. Me one. neither. Uh, Elvis, the cinematographer was Mandy Walker, Empire of Light, Roger Deakins, and Tar was uh, Florian Hoffmeister, who was the cinematographer on Antlers. That was the best what it was. Empire of Light. It's kind of flown under the radar. Um, I had the director in my mind when we started this thing, and I forgot, but I'll find out real quick. Hmm. All right. Well, I might have to keep that one on the radar because you know I love some cinematography. It was Sam Mendes oh. who did, yeah, 1917 and, and yeah. a bunch of other stuff. Empire of Light. I got to pull up a trailer. That's mm -hmm. a later me problem. Sure. Uh, best film editing. We've got The Banshees of Inishern, uh, Mikkel, E.G. Nielsen. Nice. Elvis, and that would be Matt Villa, Villa and Jonathan Redmond. Mm -hmm. Everything Everywhere All at Once, Paul Rogers, Tar, Monica Willie and Top Gun Maverick, Eddie Hamilton. Sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Then we have, let's go, let's Our go. Last category. For, yeah, we're going to go best visual effects. We got All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar the Way of Water. Fine. That's, I'm fine with that one. The Batman, which came out like almost, it was like last March, I think. And yeah. people have forgotten about that, but it's got a few nods throughout these nominations. Um, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and Top Gun Maverick. Um, I think Top Gun has to win that. It, Man, I've I've got Top Gun for that and for like sound design. Yeah, it's so incredible. So, anyways, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, nineteen, twenty-three categories. We just ran through a couple. In a couple weeks, we're gonna go through all of them. We're gonna make predictions. We're gonna take listener opinions and see if you anybody has any thoughts. If you think you can get twenty-three out of twenty-three, we're gonna make scorecards. It'll be a whole fun thing. Um, and Johnny and I will probably uh, watch these together if I'm in town. That's always fun. The Academy Awards? Yes. Yeah. Plus, I'm the one with cable. That's true. Oh, no, I think we have cable. Oh, look at I you. think we have cable here. It's the first time I've had cable in uh, ever, probably, yeah. as an adult. Um, That's exciting. Yeah. So, um, if you're interested in this sort of thing, uh, keep tabs on what we're saying over the next week or two, and, and likely we'll put up a ballot on our website. You can download it, and you can uh, vote along with us, make predictions, and I'm sure we'll give like a prize or something for top scores. 
because we can do that sort of thing. Duh. For now, uh, let's say Academy Awards to bed and let's get into beer number two. What do you think? Yes. All right, Johnny Summers, what is beer number two, my friend? I stout. Something anniversary. 11th anniversary. Double Imperial Stout from 8Wire out of New Zealand. Again, double Imperial Stout. 15% ABV. Pfft, nothing. Jeez. To celebrate 11 years since the release of the original I Stout, we decided to turn the dial to 11 and make an even more Imperial version of this already very Imperial beer. A huge, chocolatey, roasty stout, which will warm the cockles of one's heart. It says cockles? It says cockles. Is that what cockles means? No, cockles is like a shellfish. Uh, cockles, right? I don't think so. Yeah, because of the Irish song, uh, Molly Malone, where she's selling cockles and mussels. She cries cockles and mussels alive, alive, oh. I've They're never fresh heard that in my life. It's a great song. All right, play it for me sometime. I played it for this guy. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was Irish, though, and he right. confirmed. What's a cockle? Yeah, let's look it up. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this now because I actually – after you looked and after I looked and neither of us could find it, I want some listener to help. So, listeners, we need a hand. I am pretty sure that we have covered this beer, not the 11th anniversary, but a previous iteration of Iced Out on this show. Now, this would have been in the last three or four years, and I could not find it. So, if anybody remembers or wants to do the digging, uh, sure would appreciate it. So, please do that, and I'll give you something in return. Yeah, because I don't think we've ever done it. So, yeah. All right. Fine. Uh, silver bells and cockle shells. Da, 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 da. No, what are you singing? That's, That's not what I'm um, saying. That's Mary, Mary, quite contrary. How does your garden grow with silver bells and cockle shells? Did they mean hot? Because that's not right for this. What did they say about the beer? They said it'll make your, your warm, warm your, your cockles? Warm your cockles. The cockles of your heart. What is that? It's not what that song's talking about. Yeah. Well, let's say cockle. In Just say cockles your of your heart. heart. Yeah. Of your heart, not in your heart. It sounds like rickets if you say that. Anything? Whoa. The cockles of the heart are its ventricles, named by some in Latin as cochlea cordis. Oh, it's a, it's like the proper medical Latin. From cochlea snail, alluding to their shape. The snail? It's going to warm the snails of our hearts. Yeah, because the, they're shaped like a snail. The saying means to warm and gratify one's deepest feelings. Well, that's lovely. Yeah. We learned something new. Well, let's see if it warms our cockles. Great. Try it, Johnny. Oh, my Sims. God. It smells like booze. So Johnny opened it, and the can was pretty full, um, and it, a little bit of it splashed onto the back of my laptop, so I sort of I did the finger wipe, and then I, for some reason, licked. I was like, no, let's drink it like that, um, and I agree. The tiny, maybe two drops that I had were very boozy, but I haven't tried it proper. Your nose is in the glass. What are you getting? Besides Anything besides booze? I don't know if this smells good. I don't know if this is good. Be more. How do you mean good? This smells possibly infected. Dang it, man. There's no way. It's too strong. It would kill. It would kill, I mean, any bacteria. Well, You've I, tried it? Yeah. You're more forgiving. It's not infected. It's okay. It's just... Mm. I mean, what were you smelling that made you think that? Uh, it smelled tangy. Yeah. Yeah. Shoot. It had like a funk. It, I, oh, it totally I, smells. Yeah. That's a trip. I don't, I don't know about... Both rinsed our glasses. I don't know about the spear, man. Well, I'm going to try it. Yeah, try it. Tell me, tell me more about your skepticism. Well... I'm getting infected stout vibes. Like it's it's almost sour, like tangy when it shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. There's some off flavors, but it is here. it is an almost. Mm -hmm. When did we pull this out of the ice? Ten minutes ago. Okay, 
Um, I don't think it's infected, but I think it's old, and I think it's gotten a bit oxidized. No, same problem. <clears throat> it's definitely oxidized. No, man. So this uh, same when you said same problem, I was looking at the bottom of the can. Yeah. Um, and you're right; it is printed on the side, but. What this says, and I'm going to say this with 100% certainty, is it says, best before January 7th, 2029. That's what it says. Whoa. Yeah. Um, I like, by the way, that breweries are starting to, when it comes to stouts, they're not like, uh, what was it? Like, is it, um, is it, I'm going to say liver liquor. What's the one that looks like a KKK member? Oh, um, yellow belly. Yeah. Not like liver. Yellow belly. Yeah. Yellow belly. Yeah. Um, or like some beers, some of those like more notoriously famous, um, huge styles would be like drink, drink in, in 25 years or like, mm-hmm. you know, drink on your deathbed. It'll be the best it's ever been. I like that. This one's like, you know, drink it before like drink 10 it, years, drink it in the next like eight years. Yeah. Um, so it's not old. No. By the brewery's own definition where it certainly isn't old. Um, there is a strangeness that is not dissimilar to some sort of funky tang that I also taste. There's a tanginess and it's coupling with the attempt at like a silky sweetness mm-hmm. and the effervescence too is not helping. Like It's pretty bubbly. It's too bubbly. Yeah. That's like a real red flag for me when it comes to stouts. They shouldn't be super bubbly. It's infection. Yeah. So I don't know if this is infected or if it's just weird. I'm also not convinced yet. I don't know. Um, what I was going to do is sort of see on, uh, untapped here, if there are any sort of similar reviews mentioning some of the stuff that we're talking about. And I, man, I really like and dislike untapped because the limitations of text is similar to Twitter OG. Like you can only put, you know, maybe two lines before yeah. it's like, no more people on here don't read, which I think is the policy, but I wish you could write more stuff, man. So I'm not seeing a lot. I will tell you that the average rating of this beer on Untapped out of 777 reviews is 4.07, which it's really good. Feels high. Yeah. Um I don't think you said this either. maybe you did. No, I don't think you did. Um forgive me if you did. This says on Untapped, 11 anniversary dessert stout brewed with 11 different malts and infused with whole cinnamon rolls. Good god. What? Cocoa puffs. <laughs> Caramel, this has to be a misprint, miso, cacao nibs, hazelnut, vanilla pods, sour cherry, banana, coffee, and toasted coconut. (laughs) Rich, complex, dark, and delicious. That can't be right. I think someone's full of shit. No, I think I'm full of shit. That's the wrong beer. My bad, my guy. Oh, sick. (laughs) There's no way that's right. For what that's worth, um, that's the 11th anniversary stout from uh, Garage Project. I clicked the wrong thing. I'm so sorry. That's all right. But like, well, I am going to find exp- this now. That would explain the sourness, I suppose. Yeah, right. Yeah, super not stoked on this beer, man. Uh, it's, well, the fact that I'm questioning whether if it's even, like, okay to drink is not a good sign. Not getting a lot of flavors that are very redeeming pretty much in any way. No. No, not really. Um, There doesn't seem to be a listing for this. Uh, Maybe you can take a look and I can uh, expunge some more knowledge, but... um. Listing for this where? On the internet? On the internet, on yeah. Untapped. Sorry, specifically Untapped, uh, which seems strange because they're not, you know, they're they're in California and they came all the way here across many, many waters. Um, so it seems strange to me. Yeah. But okay, maybe that's the truth. 
Yeah, I can't. Nothing? I can't find anything more than what we've already, you know, the cockling warming. Well, damn it. Yeah, I'm not in love with this beer at all. No, I'm gonna try it again now. I'm not. I'm not in lust with this beer. I'm not infatuated by this beer. I don't even want to. I don't even want to get to know it more. It's pretty. It's pretty astringent, man. Yeah. I um, as you can see on my face, I'm having a hard time even talking through the uh, sort of shrinking that's yeah, happening with my yeah. Um, this beer's fucked. Let's not drink it. Bad beer. Yep. Okay. Um, there's. I don't. It's not the worst thing I've ever had. I could drink more if I was really compelled to. Yeah. Um, but even on that second sip, there's something settling in in the upper region of my chest that is um, not good. Feels like there's a pinch. Yeah, I feel like something bad would happen if we drank this whole beer. I agree. No, it's not. So Patreon is a way where we record that sort of thing. Yeah. No, dude, this is beer. Okay. Is, uh, and we're gonna say, con- not conclusively, but as with with the extent of our knowledge, it's not quote unquote bad. Uh, you know, uh, production speaking and, yeah. and and date wise, but it's. Uh, Poorly made beer that is gross. Yep. How much was this? Seven ninety nine. And it's too expensive. It's giving me an allergic reaction. I think. Uh oh. I'm fine. We better wrap this up. Okay. Um. Out of ten, <sighs> dude. It's like a two point one. Yeah, it's two for me. Pretty um lowest beer of the year so far. I think that we can't say for certain. Set the bar low. Yeah, it's tough. What a shame. Um, I'm going to grab something else to sip on uh, while we get into Hot and Bothered, which is to say, are you ready for Hot and Bothered, Johnny Summers? Yeah, yeah. Hot and All right, Johnny, what's got you hot or bothered this week? Well, I'm very bothered by the fact that you forgot about Plane. Captain Torrance, Flight Commander. How can I help you? Fugitive extradition. Oh, is he dangerous? What did he do? Homicide 15 years ago. I don't want to scare the rest of the passengers. I'm afraid you're stuck with us, Captain. Get him on board. Let's have a good flight. We're cutting right through the top of the storm. Listen, keep everybody in their seats. No exceptions, all right? Mayday, mayday, mayday. They were down somewhere in the Jolo Island cluster. It's run by separatists and militias. The Filipino army won't even go there anymore. The clock is ticking. Every minute matters. We can count those minutes in lives, lost or saved. We don't know who it is. We don't know who it is. Listen carefully. This is an emergency. I'm Captain Brody Torrance. I like this guy. Name, country. Maxwell Carvel, England. Name, country. My passengers, my responsibility. I'm gonna need your help. You're gonna need this. Former military or something? You could say that. Then why'd they lock you up? No one cares what really happened. But they say redemption can be found in the most unusual places. If you do this, you'll probably never see your family again. What about their families? 
I have a daughter, and I have every intention of making a home. They are going to come at us with everything they've got. We're getting off this island. All right, that was a trailer for Plane. I'm going to go ahead and read this off Letterboxd. <clears throat> Survive together or die alone. After a heroic job of successfully landing his storm-damaged aircraft in a war zone, uh, I don't think that's quite right, a fearless pilot, Gerard Butler, finds himself between the agendas of multiple militias planning to take the plane and its passengers hostage. His only hope, really, is Louis Gaspar, played by Mike Coulter, who is probably most famous for playing Luke Cage. Um, Gerard Butler plays Brody Torrance. Uh, he used to fly better routes, but he freaked out when a passenger punched him. He punched him back, and now he flies nosebleed aircrafts through from Singapore. Yeah. Um, it's a film written and directed by Jean-Francois Richet with a screenplay by Charles Cumming and J.P. Davis, which when you put that math together tells you three people wrote and made this movie, which I think does not show in the film itself. There's cinematography by Brendan Galvin. Um, hit theaters on January 13th. It's a buck 47. Um, and it is what you expect. Mm -hmm. Gerard Butler, I love. He's, when used correctly, a tour de force. Yeah. He's, 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 he's like sun-baked beef jerky with an attitude and a weird speech impediment that I think just might be his Scottish accent trying <laughs> to be just hidden. Being Scottish. It's not though. He doesn't sound Scottish. Anyways, you and I, we were going to cover this last week. Um, my life got too crazy. I had to postpone recording. So we're covering it now. Um, what is it safe to qualify this movie as a self-aware action B movie that was probably better placed in the eighties? Mm -hmm. What do you, what's your relationship to that genre? Love it. Let's say eighties movies in general. Love them. Okay. How do you feel? It was a terrible era for film, but so like, this is not like this. I will get for me. Yep. Not eighties, late nineties, early two thousands. Oh, okay. Big Con Air vibes from this movie. Are you sure Con Air was that late? Because it feels like an early 90s, late 80s movie. No, I'll Con Air out. came out in like 99. It, no, it didn't. 97? 97. Okay. okay. I, right like, I would know if it was 99. Yeah, but. right in that ballpark. So late 90s. Okay, see, I- when and the, Con Air, you had Air Force One. Oh, I forgot about Air Force One. Yeah. You just like movies and planes. No, those are just movies that this reminded me of. Okay, so, okay. Yeah, so there's like there's certain tropes to this genre. Like a big one is sort of nameless brown people mm -hmm. that are bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like we are never once in. There's no like at least for like something like Die Hard, you have Hans Gruber like a sophisticated villain that, or like even like a, like a Thanos complex where like you kind of get what he's saying. Like yeah, it's true. I get like I see where you're coming from. No sort of complexities here. These are people in the Jolo Islands, which I don't even think is maybe it's real. Um, we don't care about them. They are bad because they are um, shouty and brown and with guns. That's all we need to know. No, they're they're a band of militia, essentially guerrilla fighters that have overthrown the yeah. government. Yeah, that are looting and pillaging to maintain control. But they're just bad guys. They're just bad guys. Like that's it. I I love in the trailer for this movie. I'm not sure if it's the one that we just played. It might have been. Um, the the text. I don't know if they read it out, but the text says. It's like a it's like a shot of the plane shaking, and the text goes, "The crash." 
And I thought that was the name of the movie at first. And then there's like another shaking of the plane, like the lights go out and somebody flies up and hits their head on the luggage compartment. It was only the beginning. I love that shit. Yeah. Because it's like not a plane crash movie. I mean, it is. Like the plane stuff is so intense. Well, the plane did like technically crash land And twice. it was a big part of the movie. Twice. Twice. It's fucking great. Um, I'm like, they're gonna, it's awesome. How are they going to fly the plane again? Obviously, it's going to crash. So, so yeah. So, we got to set it up a little bit better. Um, Mike Coulter. No, is, we don't. You're thinking about no, it. No, because I want to no, give don't. it a little bit. Like, Mike Coulter is 15 years ago, he was convicted of a murder. And we get the line, like, nobody wants to know the truth. That kind of thing. Like, yeah. he's, he's clearly wrongly imprisoned, which we're all on board for. Um, Gerard Butler is is an intimidating guy, but he's like playing playing it safe. Like he's just flying planes, wants to get home to his family. Mm-hmm. His stupid, weirdly sexual towards him daughter, who bites her lip when they are FaceTiming. It was so weird when I saw that. Didn't she call him daddy? She said, <laughs> she was like, yeah. <laughs> she's like, I love you, daddy, or like something gross. Hurry up and come to me, daddy. It was so weird. Yeah. Um. While she's like on a hammock in Hawaii. Was it Hawaii? Yes. Yeah. Like okay, whatever. So he has to get home. For this thing. Like, he's going on vacation with his daughter. It's... Bro, did you even watch this movie? Yeah, I he's watched it. He's trying to make it to Hawaii for New Year's. It's, oh, it's New Year's. You're right. It is New Year's. That's Come right. on, man. It doesn't matter. It matters. I don't care. Anyways, so so there's like an air marshal that's like, here's this big dude, and look, and, and Gerard Butler's like, I don't want any trouble. And he's like, you got to take him. He's like, okay. And the plane crashes, and sure enough, those two are the only ones who have any experience and can like... crash lands. What did I say? Crashes? Yeah, there's a difference. You're right. They land it. Kind of. They land it on not a runway. There's a great sequence while it's crashing with the uh, his co-pilot, who's – I don't find the actor because he does a terrible job. Um, I'm not even going to look it up. But, like, you could tell, like, Gerard Butler – like, we know Gerard Butler. We don't need this character. Like, we don't need a foundation. Like, yeah. it's just Gerard Butler. Bro, angels just, have fallen. <laughs> Olympus has fallen. London. The White House has fallen. Fucking, Motherfucker, um, the plane fell. All right, Den we get of it. Thieves. It's 300. Like, it's Gerard Butler. Yeah. You don't need to give him character motivation. Like, no. I don't need – We know he's a law-abiding citizen, it's okay? It's a great example of a Gerard, Gerard Butler movie. The only one that doesn't fit is P.S. I Love You. Right. We put that behind us with him. Did you see the rom-com with him where he was a bounty hunter? Called Bounty Hunter. It was Jennifer Aniston. I fucking love that movie. I liked that movie a lot in college. I haven't seen it in probably 10 years. but it, I remember it being super adorable. I like, like, he's not charming. Like, he's not sexy in, in a rom-com. He's sexy as a muscle man. Yeah. Uh, I saw a meme, and it sums him up so well. Okay. He is a dude that makes dad movies for dudes in their 30s with no kids. Totally, man. And I'm like, yep. It's great. Like... Let's. I guess let's follow structure a little bit. Give me an out of 10 for playing, and we'll get into it. Out of 10, it was like a solid for this movie. This is a solid score. It was like a 6-3. 100%. Yeah. This is like, a solid 6-3. <laughs> like you can't in good faith go above a 7. No, but I fucking like loved like, it. It's so – okay, let me write yeah. that down for you. 6-3. Um, 6.3. Yeah, for me, dude, it's like – yeah, it's a 6. Like it's it's <sighs> – It's not a good film. Not at all. It's a badass movie. It it makes no sense. No. Like not not at all. Bro, does it make he sense? Crash landed a plane twice. And then just like rewired it. I'd like love, to do. I know. Like I love when he hot wires the phone. <laughs> he just he literally does like the movie thing where you like you find two wires and just go and then there's a dial tone. And his stupid idiot daughter, like, is like, Dad, is that you? And she's like, he's like, listen to me. I've come straight on the islands. I can't do his accent, but and she doesn't listen, and then like he he like calls the airline, and they think it's like a prank call, so it's just him. And then it turns out that Mike Coulter's character, um, Gaspar, is like 
a badass, which makes total sense. Yeah. And he kills people with a sledgehammer throughout the a movie. A lot. And like a freaking like a Navy SEAL team comes in, like an extraction team, like an off the books. Like, that works for the airline. That was the <laughs> most funny shit. Love that. Like the airline just has oh, mercenaries shit. on standby. It's, it's the best thing. Um, who's the guy that plays like I'm gonna find it. Um, the mercenary? No, oh, not the, the like the suit. The guy. one that's like, like, it's like gonna I cost like us this some guy. Money. Yes, I love that line. Um, he was the know. guy. He was the bad. He was Carl and Ghost. Yeah. Which is the only thing I know him from, but he's in other stuff. Yeah. Um, his name is, uh, come on, Tony Goldwyn. Um, he's the guy that you have no idea who he is, but you see his picture and you're like, I oh, that guy. He's been so much stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, he plays Scarsdale in this. And he's like, like when something goes wrong with the airline, when like, like it's, it's, they have protocol. Yeah. He's like, like when like their plane goes down, they, they're like, all right, call, call Scarsdale in. He's like, I'm going to get my guys on this. You just sit the fuck back and let yeah. me do my goddamn job. Get press release junkets <laughs> ready. Rah, rah, rah. Um, so Did he you, sends in like. Have you seen Ray Donovan? Uh, no, but I know the gist. He's like the Ray Donovan of the airline. Like he's their fixer. I, I love that you pointed out that it's like exclusively for the airline. Yeah. Like what is the airline? Do you remember the name of the airline? Oh, Frontier? No. No, but it's like it's supposed to be like yeah. Frontier or Spirit. It's like it's like a budget airline. Yeah. Um, They did everything but say like yeah. Alaskan. So he sends in like this private crew of mercenaries heavily armed and they have like half a million dollars cash. I, yeah, yeah. Which is not enough. And they know that for these, these Islanders, like it's mm-hmm. not going to be enough to buy us away out of here. Um, some of those guys die too. They just go in shooting. Yeah. I, I was bummed. There wasn't more time on the Island. Like a lot of time is dedicated to the plane crash, the crash landing, excuse me. Um, and like the, what are we going to get to our families again? What are we supposed to do? And there's the, a lot of that and shit. And the annoying... The bald guys. guys. Both oh. bald guys were the worst. And when one was taken, I was like... Good. Okay. Yeah. That's all right. Like shoot him. Um, in fact, I didn't care about most of the passengers, which I think is a mistake in the filmmaking department. Like, you need to kind of care. Well, I think that added to Gerard Butler's character in that they were all just kind of shitty, and he still was, like, going to bat for him. True, because at one point, Mike Coulter's like, you know, if you do this, like, you're never going to see your family. He's like, what about their families? And then I was thinking about, I was like, his family, his daughter kind of sucks too. Like, you know, I get it. Like, yeah, I'll save them. She's the worst. She's weird. The I didn't think his weird. daughter was weird at all. Are you serious? Yeah. I thought it was I so mean, weird. There was that weird, like, daddy, but it didn't, but it didn't, I mean, she's, it's an adult daughter. She's annoying. All right. Like, so she's, she's a baby. So he should just give himself up because his daughter's kind she, of annoying. Well, she, she's, no, she's very <laughs> annoying. And he can save a bunch of other people. And some of those people were yeah, not and, offensive. No, I get it. The needs of the many, all that. But yeah, um, I was like fucking offended that none of the, the people on the plane thanked him. Like, yeah, eventually one guy did after he crash landed a second time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you yeah. have to save my ass after crash landing safely and then crash landing again for me to finally thank you. How do you feel riding planes? Are you cool with plane like turbulence and stuff? Mm, I'll do it. I hate planes. Yeah. Like I, I've never flown sober in my adult life. You know, I tend not to, but I try to. I'm like, I can do it today. Fuck that. But then like um, you know, I like lost really messed me up as a kid. Like I don't mm. like plane crashes. And that was the most tense part of the movie was when that was going down. Because yeah. I really enjoyed the way they portrayed like flight protocol. That was super cool. I've never sat that much time in a cockpit and like understood the way they they talk with um, control or Light whatever. Control, yeah. yeah, that was great. Um, it was so dumb. Like the shootout at the end. Like he gets yeah. shot in the leg. Oh, and like and the chest. 
Sure. Um, Gaspar ends up not leaving. He's like, you know, I can never, you know, like, I well, can't. Yeah, I he can't was a plenty. wanted man. Yeah, but like, you figure there's enough people who like he was he was wanted for murder 15 years ago. Yeah. On kind of a sketchy guilt basis, like I feel like somebody could have like like our guy Car Carlsbad or whatever whatever his name was could be like give this guy Brody give, Walker. Give, yeah, give him a pass or Brody Torrance. Yeah. I don't know. I wanted there to be like a post credit scene where we just saw him like on a beach. Or like had made friends with those guys, and like he's just living his best life. He's just running the he's island, just, but now. he just like leaves. He just like goes into the jungle. Yeah, with a half million dollars for fucking what? They don't take. I mean, maybe they would. You just got to get somewhere that takes U.S. You, currency. You got to get off that island, which would have. Yeah. And they on the plane, they landed not in America. They landed on like one more island that was like get on the plane and yeah, sneak no. away, dude. Yeah, he's on an island in the South Pacific. Is that where it was? Yeah. All right, that's where the Philippines are. I think it was a great movie. I think, in a sense. Maybe. Well, who knows? Is this in the Philippines? Nobody knows. I think they may. I'm going to look it up. No, you're right. It is. The Jolo Islands. That sounds fake to me, but I also live in America. So, you know, we don't look outside of our borders most of the time. Nope. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. Island of the Philippines. Yeah. Nice. And it's a volcanic island. Uh-huh. There's a Gerard Butler movie. The volcano's going to explode. And he's getting chased by guerrilla leaders totally. of the island. Yes. And also- they're cannibals. And there's a storm. Yep. You know, I watched Geostorm, by the he's way. He's got a really fast car. Is that a thing in Gerard Butler movies? Has no, he driven a car? Not yet. That would be great. Bro, this dude needs to be fast and or furious. He's already furious. Oh, he's slow as hell. I uh, Gerard Butler's great. We've spent too much time on No, planes. this is perfect. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> um, I'll have watch Plane again. I have you seen the newest one that he's in that like dropped on one of the streaming services? G-Butts? Last Scene? Last scene. Yeah. Basically, uh, he's like, the whole premise of just the brief trailer I saw, he's like on a road trip with his wife. They stop somewhere to get gas. He's like going in the store to get some beef jerky. Comes out. Wife's gone. Yeah. This is Last Scene Alive. That. Um, a film from uh, Brian Goodman, uh, summer of 2022. Yeah. Relatively, because um, it's his newest thing besides this. No, I've not. Did you see it? No. I oh. like, kind of want to watch it now. If like he's just doing crummy action movies. Hang on, I don't like that you're saying crummy. Well, it's not right. <laughs> uh, they're not good move films. They're great movies. They're enjoyable. You know what? Hang I just, on, man. I just realized that Russell Crowe is trying to be Gerard Butler with the stage in his career. They're they neck that and neck, shit dude. Where he was just I know, stuck unhinged, in traffic. Yeah. yeah, that could have been a Gerard Butler movie. Last scene alive, really quickly. He'll, here's the thing. He'll stop at nothing to get her back. After Will Spans' wife suddenly vanishes at a gas station, his desperate search to find her leads him down a dark path that forces him to run from authorities, whatever, take the law back into his own hands. What's that movie? I think it's with John Cena. It's called like – it's oh, it's called like <laughs> – his wife gets taken at a gas station and he has to go get her. He has a bat. I'm pretty sure it's John Cena. What? It's the same. It's the same. Really? Uh, wife kidnapped gas station. I swear to God, it's like the mill. It's like the 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 marine. The marine. It might be the marine. It is the marine. Yeah, two thousand six. Um, Read the synopsis. I will. Um, uh, just to just to clarify one more time. Last seen alive, twenty twenty two. Gerard Butler. After Will Spann's wife suddenly vanishes at a gas station, his desperate search to find her leads her down. Whatever. Blah blah. Dark path. The marine. Two thousand six. Uh, a group of diamond thieves. Hang on. They took it. Here's the thing. They took his wife. Now he's coming. <laughs> A group of diamond thieves on the run kidnap the wife of a recently discharged Marine who goes on a chase through the South Carolinian wilderness to retrieve her. It happens at a gas station. Also, great. Peak John Cena was the Marine. Look at this. Look at no, that. I'm looking. 
You got that? The oh, sparks yeah. and everything? Yeah. What a man. <laughs> John Bonito directing that. Oh, man. Anyways, that's Plane. Yep. I will watch it again. I don't care. I'll watch it again, yeah. too. It was fun. Do you have anything else on Plane? No. For real, then, are you ready for Hot and Bothered? This time, yes. Welcome to Hot and Bothered, where we rein it back in and uh, slow down our hearts from all that adrenaline that was the movie Plane. Uh, Johnny, yeah. hot or bothered? Uh, hot. Lay it on me. Well, they're both hot. I'm not even looking at the list yet. Oh, so trying to get rid of all these tabs that I. I just don't opened. have any bothered. I well, was. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. Give me. Well, give me a hot. Oh, okay. So I have a television thing because I'm the resident television watcher in this, cable. In this, I have all the streaming services. Yeah. Reminds me, I got to get a password from you before I leave. Okay. Uh, so I watched what about a year and a half, two years ago, Vikings Valhalla, mm-hmm. which is a series that was a Netflix original, kind of a spin-off of uh the original Vikings series that was on I want to say the History Channel. Mm-hmm. Um I really like this. It is very much in the same vein it was um yeah, on the internet it says the predecessor to this was Vikings. So okay. this is actually a direct sequel. It takes place a little bit later in history. Uh absolutely love this show. I feel like if you've watched Vikings, the original series, you know that once the character of Ragnar Lothbrok is not around anymore, it's like Michael Scott leaving the office. Oh, I see. Not as good. Mm-hmm. Let's just watch those seasons and then just forget about it. This one, I feel like there's really no, at least the first two seasons, all the characters are really strong. There's no falling off. I think it's a very nice ensemble cast. There's really not one star. You're rooting for about four different people. Um if you like Vikings, but you feel like it fell off and left a bad taste in your mouth, like I did, um, uh-huh. check out Vikings Valhalla. Because season two just dropped about now at this point, three weeks ago. And okay. we, we watched all of it, and it was very, very, very good. Love it. I, I never got into the OG Vikings either, but I like I like the idea of it. Like I feel like I could get into that pretty easily. Yeah. All right. You can totally just start with Valhalla. Oh, for real? Yeah. Okay. They're pretty self-contained, and it's a great, like, they're great stories on their own. I don't think, you don't need to watch one or the other, and honestly, uh, the first two seasons of Vikings were really cool. I uh-huh. think this is a- What more, do you mean cool? Cool in that, like, Ragnar Lothbrok was this, he reminded me of Jackson Teller in, in the Sons of Anarchy. the movie show. Yes. Very, uh, just an enigmatic presence. Yeah. Very kind of wild, off the cuff, unpredictable. Um so in its own way, the early seasons of or the original Vikings, it was quite compelling and very entertaining. But I think cohesively as an entire show with a whole cast, the payoff for Valhalla is more above average characters. All right. And just as good story, in my opinion. Sweet. I will check it out. It's good. I like it. You saw Gizzard in sack. <laughs> <laughs> What does that say? Jizza. Jizza is a person. What is that even? Jizza is one of the founding members of the Wu-Tang Clan. That's an unfortunate name. And I know it's not a Christian name. Like, I got to give a name so someone was like, I'm going to be Jizza. Yeah. The Jizza. The Rizza. There's 
There's All a, right. There's a bunch of them. You saw a solo artist who yes. branched off of Wu-Tang. Yes. In Sacramento. Yes. At the Ace of Spades. Harlow's. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. First show at Harlow's. That uh, was a really cool spot. Went down there with friends of the show, Chris Gomez and Brian McGillalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalal
All right. Boys trip. Boys trip. All right. Um, that's pretty much what I've got going this week, my man. Do you want to give a shout out to the beers that we are going to cover next week in case anyone wants to get their hands on them? Yeah. Uh, I don't know specifically. I think Andy got three or four in, but we're going to be doing two beers from SNS Produce from okay. a brewery called Tripping Animals. Okay. Sweet. And they're out of Florida. Uh Probably what will happen is in the next little bit, our beer of the week sticker will shift to those. So you, if you pop into SNS, you can find those beers. Um, and I was mistaken because I thought I could tease you with our movie next week, but we haven't decided yet. So Triangle of Sadness. Oh, yeah. We are doing Triangle of Sadness. That's true. We're catching up on our um, Oscar ballot prediction stuff, so that's what we're doing. And there's really not shit coming out. Yeah. It's that time of year, man. Like everything yeah. that in the industry that needs to be out is out. But it really levels out for us because now it's catch up time. Totally. So get your mustard and let's catch up. Love that. Um, as Stupid. usual, this show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi. Big shout out to everyone on Patreon. We appreciate to the ends of the earth your support. It really does mean a lot. Um, as you heard at the top of the show, and we're not even obliged to say this, we just like them that much. The Handlebar has an awesome happy hour. I was there this week. I think between the two of us, we are there at least once a week. Yeah. Um, and I'm Max Minardi. I'm Johnny Summers. Be sure to watch some Silly Goose Time movies that make you happy. Drink some tasty beverages. But most importantly, stay being good to each other. See you next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.